Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome back to Business Unfiltered. It's Mercer. I'm here with the incredible Jeff Sauer and Jeff. Over recent episodes, we have talked about topics like keeping SOPs up to date. We've talked about hacking project management systems, managing for profit, uh, roles versus people, hiring top performers. The whole point of this is so that the business generates more cash. And that brings us to today's episode, which is how to leverage all of that cash to make the business run more smoothly. So as is our tradition, let's define that. So how do you think about sort of leveraging cash and, and that, you know, making the business run more smoothly? Yeah. So I think that leverage itself means that you're using, basically you're, you're putting something in place to lift more than you're, than you're capable of lifting on your own. Right. So that's, that's really how leverage works. You have a fulcrum and then you have the force and everything like that, and you can lift more than you want. Right. It's how a pulley and a lever works. It's how lifting works. Right. So that, that gets you to do more than you normally would be able to. So with cash allows you to do more than you could do normally. And then running more smoothly means that you're not putting out fires yourself, that you're not having the instability in revenue, that you're not having the instability with employees, that you're not having poor project management, that you're having poor systems, not that you're having any of these things that are in place, right? And also maybe so that you can invest in advertising or methods of guaranteeing your customer acquisition. So basically you're using somebody else's money or your own money that you earned and kept into your business in order to make sure that you're flattening some of the bumpiness in your business. Is that how you look at it as well, Mercer? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it basically comes down to, hey, I've got a dollar in cash. What do I do with that to get the most bang for that buck? Essentially, is what it comes down to. You know, how do I how do I get the most from it? Um, so, so what are the, some of the ways that that you when you've had cash, right? And and I guess you know, defining the cash a little bit could be just anything that's cash flow. So whether it's an investment you've brought in, or you know, something that you're self funding, or just customers that are you know buying your products and services and producing cash through profits. Uh, how how have you either? I guess leveraged it yourself in the past, uh, or you know, have seen that others have. Yeah, so a few things come to, come to mind. One is just keeping the cash for a rainy day. That is one thing that I've done, maybe sometimes to a fault, but just keeping enough money in there for a rainy day. Um, for a lot of people, that can be anywhere between three and six months payroll. Um, I think a year is overly conservative. I think three months is about where people would want to be. Um, so that's one way to do it just to hold on to the cash. And that will make your business run more smoothly because you know that you're not going to run out of money. Um, that can be a mental trick to make yourself run smoothly, but that's the most boring one. And probably the, you know, we wouldn't have an episode on that could be done. It's over, right? That episode's over. Um, the other one is just things like hiring ahead of the game. So, um, I have hired positions that I necessarily didn't have the cash flow for, but they were important to generate in the future cash flow. Right. So investing in things like marketing, investing in things like operations um, towards profits, basically you're taking the cash right now and you're shortening that runway, that comfort zone for for making payroll and stuff like that to happen um, short term with the intent of, of getting a return on it. I can't tell you how many times people, you know, I, like, for example, I sell a coaching program. I talk to people about marketing and stuff like that. And they're like, hey, I'll, I'll, I won't invest in coaching. Or I won't invest in marketing until I make that money. And I was like, you realize that in hiring a marketing person 
the whole point of it is to make money, right? Why would you hire a marketing person if they didn't help you make money? Why wouldn't you be doing these things, right? So you can't look at it as an expense. You have to look at it as an expense that a productive expense, right? That's right. going to either pay for itself or more. So in that case, why wouldn't you keep on adding more and more until you get to that point? So I think sometimes people, they, they look at cash as, or even if they don't, even if you don't have cash, they don't really think of things as an investment, right? So a lot of times you are investing in your business. If you hire coaches, if you take one of Mercer's programs, if you take one of mine, that will have a return. Whether the return is 100% in that same month, which is pe what people unrealistically expect, or if it's um, 10 million percent over the course of your career, <laughs> really comes down to, um, do you want to have that smoothness in your life now, or do you want to do it later? Do you want to never have it because you're never actually making those investments? So that's, that's sort of how I look at it. Those are what kind of my mind there. I mean, there's other options as well, of course, but uh, what about you, Mercer? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's, it's similar. We just sort of have buckets, you know, and I think that's kind of what you were alluding to, where it's like, hey, you've got this rainy day bucket. We call it the reserve account, right? So we're like, hey, we've got reserves. We have, you know, what the goal again is three months of reserves back there. That handles, and this is how I think about that. It's like it handles payroll, uh, pays for the for the business to operate for at least 90 days. If revenue went to zero this second, we could still operate for 90 days. Everyone's paid at whatever they're currently being paid, so that if you know, that black swan event comes through, right? The whole black swan thing that, that uh, you know, th where if there's a this, this market condition that just devastates an industry and it's not your fault, it's just, hey, the industry, you were just in the wrong industry, wrong, wrong place, wrong time. Now you've got no business. How do you, how do you pay for it? That's my nightmare scenario. So I try to prep yeah. with that reserve account. Um, that helps me. The reason I'm, I'm saying that's a leverage is because that mentally helps me because if every month I'm like, oh my God, where am I going to find payroll? How much stress is that? It's a lot. I mean, I know how much stress it is. <laughs> you know, we've all been through that. So the reserve account buys your focus back so that you're not constantly panicking or having that urgency mindset and you can think a little bit clearer. So I, I definitely think that's the first one. Um, this, this, I'll give you another one, another way to think about it, sort of team and you know, do I invest back in the team or the product or expand team, things like that. I've made decisions, good and bad on that. Um, I have definitely taken cash thinking, okay, these people are going to be, um, you know, the, 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 this component or this role is going to be the, the, when I add them, I'm going to have 10 X or hundred X or 200 X or whatever the thing is. And it hasn't panned out. Mm -hmm. The investment in people did not work, right? The investment in that role did not, uh, provide or, or it didn't consistently provide. It's like, Hey, it started in yeah. the work. It was great in the beginning and now it's not, and we're not getting the same results. And, um, I, so I've made those mistakes and I think, um, my only, my advice there would be just to cut your losses early. And, and that's, that's the same lesson you're going to hear from every entrepreneur because that's the <laughs> same lesson that I've ever heard from every entrepreneur. And it's the hardest lesson. The second thing they do is they say, this is what you should do. And I hardly ever do it. Like that's yeah. just what happens. I'm the same uh, way, yeah. right? That you should totally do it. And yet I can't, I can tell you when you should, but I can't tell when yeah. I should, you know? Um, but the other thing is, and this goes back to leveraging cash, talk about payroll. You know, when, when I'm thinking about payroll, I've got, let's say, let's say I had you as part of my company, right? You were, you were the marketing person. And I say to you, hey, we're going to pay you um, $10,000 salary, right? It's a $10,000 salary. And that's just what it is. It's a flat rate. You don't get any bonus. You don't get any commission. You don't get any good or bad. You get great results. You make $10,000. You have horrible results. You make $10,000. That's great for you, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not the best way for me to leverage that cash that I'm giving mm -hmm. to you. So what I do is, is I'll do something like, you know, oh, hey, Jeff, we're going to come in. We're going to do a, you know, a $7,000 base right? And then you can do bonuses. 
And you can get to this $10,000 with these bonuses when you get this here. But here's the good news. If you go higher than that, you can get to 15, you can get to 20, you can go to $100,000 a month for all I care, right? And now that same amount of money, that same 10 grand that you're earning, you're thinking about the business over the weekends. Right. And that, that like, that's, that's the one thing I think that entrepreneurs, it's, it's one of those magic moments in an entrepreneur's life when somebody that's not you comes to you, that's on your team, they come to you and they're like, oh my God, I was thinking about this over the weekend. And here's an idea I have that I think will make the company even better. And you're like, oh my gosh, somebody else is doing this too. Like that's the coolest feeling in the world to have that, that, uh, them dedicated so much to that they're really bought in, right. It's their company too. Uh, and have that ownership. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's like, Having that is is the reason that I can get that is because I pay differently. I have the again on certain roles, not on all roles, uh, but where appropriate, maybe you maybe you change your payroll structure a little bit to get more bang for the buck, right? So instead yeah. of that ten thousand dollars salary that's sort of fixed and you know kind of can can hurt you over the long run, I think it actually cap your growth a little bit, crap performance. You you redistribute how you're distributing that actually gets you more. Uh, uh, results, you know, from your team. So I think that's one thing that we've definitely done on that. And I'll say the other thing that we've done, um, I guess, as we, as we think about is where, if I don't need the cash now, right? Like reserves accounts are full. So we're not saying that it's not like, Oh, I'm, I'm stealing from future payroll or anything like that. Uh, or borrowing, you know, it's, it's not that it's, it's everything's full. There's just extra money here. What do we do with it? Right. I've already got the team set up. I don't need additional team members, let's say. So then I will look at the current expenses that we have. And let's say there's something that's monthly. I will go and see if there's an annual version of that because chances are that saves money because I can go there and say, Hey, instead of, you know, let me pay for the annual. And, and normally I'll, I'll reach out to vendors. This is a a huge, you know, as we move into tactics, maybe a little bit, but um, a huge tactic is to email your vendors, right. And ask them, Hey, can I get a discount if I pay you a year in advance? If, yeah. if they don't offer that, just ask them that. You will find very often they're like, well, that's a great question. They're actually talking to my boss. And blah, blah, blah. I've had people completely customize stuff. I've had very large companies, Fortune 500 companies, customize stuff because that's what they'll do if they're asked. You know, And then you can save money. And the first thing, when they say yes for a year, I'm like, cool, tell me the amount. And they give me the discount. And then what's, what's the next thing I do? What if I did two? <laughs> right. And see if there's another discount for two years. At a certain point, it starts, they, they don't have the discounts anymore, but that's yep. if I have the cash. But now what I've done is I've essentially, let's say I save 10 or 15 or 20% off the annual. Sometimes it's substantially, Hey, if I give you six months, will you give you six months? Because some companies need cash, you know, and that's what they're looking for. They don't care about anything else. They don't want the monthly payments. They need the cash up front so they can do stuff with it. And if you hit them at the right time, now I've basically just avoided a finance charge that I was paying. And that's yeah. how I think about that stuff, right? It's like, if I'm doing monthly, I'm paying a finance charge because I didn't do the annual, right? Because I couldn't afford the annual. So I'm financing it through them on their little monthly payments. But if I can just prepay a year and save a bunch of money, that money that I've saved is the finance charge that I would have given them. And it's obviously not quite you know, technically a finance charge, but that's how I think about it. And now that additional money that I'm not paying them, I can now use for other things. Mm-hmm. Um, over time. So I've definitely uh, used that too. Has there, has there been any other, um, I guess, ways that that you've leveraged when you think about the creative ways where you're like, here's how I'm going to throw my cash. And maybe it's even something where it's like, I know I'm going to, I think I'm going to do this, but I've decided I'm not going to do this. Maybe it's something like that too. Like here's ways to not leverage your cash, you know, that might come yeah. up. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you, I really like a lot of things you've talked about. Those are, those are things that I didn't, didn't immediately come to mind, but I, it, I was just nodding along like, bonus programs. That's what we did at my agency. Um, and it worked like you basically, you can get somebody a little bit lower than market, but then you can bonus them above market. Right. So it gives you that, that yin and yang, but you're not paying it 
every two weeks, you're paying it at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year. So it gives you leverage right there, right? That is a great way to leverage. Um, you know, it, re, you know, one thing I was thinking about cash just for reducing future expenses, right? So, so you're reinvesting your cash now in future profits. That gives you a lot of value in tax reduction, right? It gives you the value. It gives you leverage in the future. It gives. There's a lot of value in doing that too. So, prepaying the stuff for the end of the year gives you the tax deduction this year, but then also next year you might be able to hire a person sooner because you have more cash, and then you can, um, you can deal with that as well. Um, and just eliminating finance charges. I really like that idea there, right? You're, you are getting taxed, whether it's by the government or by platforms for not spending your money, right? So not, the, the less, the, the more you hold on to the money, the more you're getting taxed, <laughs> believe yep. it or not, right? Yep. By, the, by the government or by the software providers you use or by people, right? By your team members. So that, that holding on to money does have a cost. It's not a zero thing. Like keeping it in a cash account is actually, it costs you a lot. It costs you all three of those things. It costs you interest that you lo lose on it. It costs other kinds of other things, right? Um, one thing you didn't touch upon, but I, I think is an important one is like, you know, once you overfund your reserve account, three months of payroll and stuff like that, do you distribute money to yourself? Is that a form of leverage? I think that distributions are a form of leverage um, yeah. because it gives you more stability as a founder. It means that you're able to make long-term decisions and play the long game in your business because you know that it's going to be around and you know that you're taken care of. So you, if you give yourself money, bless your heart at the end of the year, because you were profitable, that means that you can put money in your account and then you're not, maybe you don't have to sell the business sooner. Maybe you don't have to right. take on bad deals. Maybe you can have, you can have the comfort. Maybe you don't have to worry about, Hey, once I sell this business, things going to be, life's going to be great. Right? So just cash flowing and distributing it to yourself is amazing. Yet a lot of people are afraid to do that. They're like, Oh, I can't do that. Um, now doing it too much can be a problem. I've, there's been years where I did too much distributions, right? Where I basically yep. just didn't add anything to the cash in the business and didn't really take anything away. I just, I was just it. I just was, I was there. Well, what did it, what did it allow me to do? It allowed me to buy a house or to build a house. Actually, it allowed me to do this thing where I could pass the mortgage, um, tests, even though, you know, like, mm -hmm. which is not, which can be a challenge. Like getting a mortgage yeah. when you're self-employed is hard. Those distributions, if you do it for a couple of years in a row, suddenly that becomes your income and then bam, you can get whatever you want to. You can get a better loan rate. You can get all kinds of stuff. So that's a leverage thing too. giving yourself the money that you earned. Like it doesn't have to be a bad thing. You can do too much of it, of course, but it doesn't have to be a bad thing to distribute money back to yourself. And then the other, you know, the thing I was thinking about is just like I know people or I know businesses that they they put their treasury into stuff like high risk investments. Um, that could be another thing. I know, I don't know if I'd recommend it, but like taking your money left over. I thought of this. Like, do I just take the cash and just put it into Bitcoin and just have Bitcoin sitting on my balance sheet? Um, in the business versus personal, right? Do you distribute it to yourself and then buy the Bitcoin? Do you put it on your balance sheet? Because that, you know, in theory, it's like having gold, you know, gold is supposed to be an, a non-volatile type thing, although Bitcoin's very volatile. But, you know, there's this company down the road for me called MicroStrategy, and that's what they've done. They basically right. took all their cash, put it into Bitcoin, and they've made billions of dollars doing it. Um, is that something that a company could do? Could you could you make it, put it into higher risk investments? I've actually taken the profits from my holding company and invested it in my travel blog um, to get that up and running. And I've made money off of that. Now that's paying off, right? I've, I've revived stuff. I've, I've put invested money in content, which is a future investment, right? Buying content, buying writer's time, buying all these things that are, that are more future oriented, right? So that's, mm -hmm. those are other ways you can leverage your cash. Basically you're, you're prepaying your future profits, 
which going back to our investment episode is pretty similar to what investment, what, what you do with an investor, right? They give you cash and they're prepaying in order to get your future profits. They're buying a part of your future profits. So you can be your own investor with cash. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I like your, the, the concept of, um, you know, investing in tools, like where, where else can I leverage this? So right now we're doing a lot, obviously AI is huge, right? So it's AI and automation and no code, low code and everything else. And there's just different ways of building a business that weren't around five years ago. And, you know, we've been around over a decade, you know, so we've got legacy architecture that, you know, we've been doing the same thing we're doing today is because we did it yesterday is because we did it last week, last month, last year, last decade. Right. So it's like, okay, we, I look at that as an owner. I'm like, okay, if I've got this cash here, how else can I use this to maybe tweak our systems a little bit and improve efficiencies? Right. Cause the whole point yeah. of this is making things run smoother. Um, and for me, smoother just means predictable, right. More, more so I can have a, a easier way to forecast what's going on without so much like, gosh, I hope this works out. Right. That's not smooth. That's a bumpy ride for me. And I don't like bumpy rides. So I like to be able to forecast what's going on and as best I can, as far as I can out, right? at least a year out. Um, but let's say it's even three months out, I can see kind of what's going on. And I'm just like, Hey, if I take this money and instead of even giving it to the investor, me, me internally as an investor, right. Paying myself, maybe it's better to have the company invest in these AI training programs that I'm going to learn, right. Or yeah. this automation stuff that I'm going to do, or these other tools, let's go ahead and pay that 20 bucks for chat GPT, you know, that sort of thing where, where you start investing in tools. I think the other thing that you mentioned, and this is what reminded me about it. I didn't quite mention it, but, but things people forget, um, uh, uh, is planning for taxes. I think yeah. especially small businesses, um, they just forget that part. Um, I one of the earliest investments I've ever made uh, in terms of leveraging cash was getting the CPA and the bookkeeper, and getting that decision away from me. Like putting in a structure of somebody else's job so that they made sure that I had systems in place to take care of that, um, and that I never have to worry about that um, planning for taxes now because of that. Right. So it yeah. wasn't it wasn't like I have a tax account that I was like a kind of like because some people do this. They have the reserve account, then you got your tax account. You're saving money for each time until you pay tax at the end of the year. And I don't think there's anything wrong. It's like you know whatever side of the coin you want to be on is is up to you. I don't personally like that. Yeah. I like just making sure it's done. It's set. It's already been prepaid. You know, so that's more my style uh, because I like that certainty you know, of yeah. knowing that everything's covered, but I needed to have the CPA, right? The, the other team member brought on and it doesn't cost a lot. It's surprisingly yeah. inexpensive for uh, a business that's got just a little bit of revenue coming through. And I, so that was one of the first things I did um, to help me, tell me leverage. Is there any, any mistakes you've made with leveraging where you were like, Hey, or is this going to be brilliant? And then it didn't work out. Like for me, it was it was expanding too fast and too far into people without yeah. a strategy for that person. Yes. So where it didn't work out, I don't think it's necessarily their fault. Um, though, don't get me wrong; it's always two to tango. I get that. But I, as an entrepreneur, you accept the responsibility. It's just part of the game. Yep. It was my fault because I brought them in, put them in an environment where I thought, well, they'll figure out how to swim. But I threw them into this you know, wave pool that was going crazy. Like, holy cow, nobody can learn how to swim in that. Everyone's going to drown, you know? And and I was thinking, oh, well, they'll figure out how to change the wave pool. You know, they'll, they'll figure out yeah. change their environment. And, I, and I've done that and I've made that mistake uh, versus, you know, having a system that's a little bit better average and then easing somebody into the job and, you know, setting realistic expectations, all that fun stuff. But um, besides that, like, have you had other mistakes? Yeah, so uh, I'll get to the mistakes in a second. But one of the things you touched on, you mentioned tools. I actually think, and you sort of mentioned it in the in the phrasing or the 
around the idea of training. Mm-hmm. Um, just a note to everybody, Mercer and my training is tax deductible. It is this episode <laughs> going out at the end of the year. Um, it is a great way if you have any money left over at the end of the year to invest, it will reduce your taxes and it will give you a forward investment to the next year. We didn't create this podcast to be a hard sell for what we do, but you should know that that what we do is is among the best out there. And it is something that you could make that investment. I think it's a worthwhile investment. And even if it's not our training, this is the perfect time to do it. I always like I always like to see who's running Black Friday deals and stuff like that because basically it's your way to lock in next year, this year. I've done that. I do that every year. Like basically something that I'm like, hey, I'm going to buy next year, the whole next year, lock it in now. Um, that's that's the way that I do it. So I, I that's Black Friday comes at a great time around that as well. I think this is going to go out after Black Friday, but if you, hopefully you did make some of those investments in your Black Friday. Now going to mistakes, um, yes, hard yes, I have made those mistakes. Um, my company has, I don't make them as much now because I've, you know, it's like you can't get burned seven times and not be insane. Um, but I like that number was seven though. You're yeah, like, I didn't yeah. learn the first time. It took me a little while to get this lesson down because that's well, realistic. Like it, yeah. That's what's going to happen. You know? Yeah. Like I, the seven times is sort of like the Albert Einstein, uh, you know, the, that one plus some other stuff. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. Um, the insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Right. That's a, a take on that. But, um, so one of the mistakes that I've made with leveraging cash to make the business run more smoothly is that I have cash and we need to hire somebody. Since we have the money, let's hire somebody who has a skill set as opposed to something for a specific project or something that came organically. So like, for example, you're like, hey, we got, you know, we're doing pretty well. We're going to be hiring some people. We're going to hire a paid person. We're going to hire a project manager. And then you find somebody who's like, Oh yeah, this person can run. I have somebody in my mind, an avatar who I'm talk, thinking about right now. They can they can do marketing automation systems. They can do light web design. They can do um, they can do paid ads. They know analytics. They have they've worked eight years at an agency. This person has like the mythical unicorn skill set. Where this why is this person available in interviewing with us? Right? And they're like, okay, well we don't we actually need the paid specialist. They can do everything though. Why don't we just hire this person and then like have them do a little dabble in everything? Right? And it just is miserable failure because that person does not actually have a role. And you're trying to bend your company's vision and your roles to a person as opposed to what the company needs. And so I think leveraging around skill set and leveraging around the wrong person. Um, will not make your business run more smoothly. So it's actually, it's a poor example of leveraging your cash to run more smoothly. It's a major mistake. The other one that I made, in addition to some something like that, very similar to that, is trying to fill out our org chart too quickly. Filling out your org chart yeah. is expensive. It is extremely expensive to fill out your org chart, yet every business book tells you you need to do it. There's EOS that has their accountability chart. There's, um, I'm guessing scaling up does it. There's good to great. All these things are talking about a C-suite. And then the C-suite has an executive team. And then the executive team has VPs and all that stuff. If you want to really fill out an org chart, it's expensive AF. And it's not really something that's easy to do for a small business. And so I actually think that leveraging your cash to put an org chart in place to run things more smoothly is oftentimes, most of the time, it's a mistake because it's not going to make you run more smoothly because you're changing too many things at the same time and it's not happening in an organic way. You didn't go through and say, hey, you know what? Um, you know, you've been doing sales as a founder for a long time. Now you're starting to drop the ball. Let's replace sales. You're trying to replace every function. Let's bring in an operations person. We never had one. Let's bring in a finance person. We never had one. Let's bring in a marketing person. We've never had one. And then let's have, let's promote you to president. And then I'll be the CEO. And let's just see how all that stuff comes together. 
Right. You're basically like, what well, that's gonna take at least six to twelve months for that for that team to gel. It's like like in basketball, if you trade six players, well, it takes a couple seasons for them to actually be good, right? You can replace one component and be better, right? Some teams are better after one person, but replacing multiple things, you don't gel together very well. So you can't replace your whole team because an org a book told you you needed an org chart. This yep. is why I tell people who have under 12 people in their business or under 5 million in revenue, don't do EOS. It's not, you're not ready for it yet, right? You can add one position at a time, but let it happen organically with what you need as opposed to trying to do a complete replacement because a book said you should do it. Yeah, I love that. And and, and just a second on what you said about the training, because you're right, it, it sort of, I, I glossed over it. And to your point, obviously we have, we have our trainings, but masterminds, uh, that was, mm -hmm. that was something that was, um, when I first started having cash come in, um, where it was hard to take. And I think at the time it was 15,000 for the year. And it was, it was a decent amount of money for where we were revenue wise, right. From a percentage of, of, uh, the profits. And so I'm looking at that going, is this, is this something that's going to be a, a worthwhile investment? This, this cash that I'm about to push over here, am I going to get more? Am I going to leverage more from that than I am from me just taking it? And keeping it in savings or, you know, hiring somebody else or whatever. And the answer for me was yes. And I've paid everything now, right? That fast forward to where we are now. I've paid for mastermind groups that are as high as, you know, 40,000, um, wow. you know, actually almost 50,000. So, um, you know, a year. And then there's, you know, 25K groups and 15K groups and whatever. And it's like, but that's for the most part paid off. There, there yeah. are times where that group um, is contains individuals and it depends upon your business model. We do a little more of the, the high ticket sales, um, you know, with the done with you coaching and the done for you stuff. So a lot of my prospects are in there. So I, and that was, that was a secondary thing to be honest. Like I wish in hindsight, I'd be like, Oh, this is why I'm doing it. Cause my buyers are in there, but it wasn't, it was because as an entrepreneur, I needed to get out of my own head. I was yeah. definitely couldn't see the forest for the trees anymore. And I wanted to be in a group of other entrepreneurs who thought differently because I needed that. I needed that yeah. different thinking DNA. Otherwise it, it becomes ancestral in your head and it, you know, you spin yourself up. Um, so I did it for that to get out of my own head, to learn new tactics. Like I truly did it. I found out accidentally that there were other buyers We're like, what do you do? Oh, actually we need that too. Cool. Can we just hire you? Oh, I guess we can. Oh, look, it just paid for itself and it became a profit center. So now yeah. it's actually a source of revenue for us. Whereas when it, when that expense that, that cash first put out, it was there to leverage my mental mindset. That was the smoother part. I need to mentally, yeah. you know, get out of town, get away from the business, be in another room where I can think about business differently at a different level with other people who have completely different businesses than me. So I can have fresh thoughts. Like that's why I did it. Secondary yeah. benefit though was, wow, that got leveraged because that actually was a profit center. And now I'm like, okay, now I just got to go find the right mastermind groups that have the, that are the combination of that, giving me that thinking that I need and stretch my own ability. Uh, and in this case for us have prospects, um, there as well that we can help out, you know, not that we're going there to sell because we never do that. It just comes up yeah. organically. Um, but those are also a great way, I think, to, to leverage cash because you, there is a little bit of pay to play and meaning you pay for access to the room. I think there is some of that with mastermind groups, but I don't think that's bad. It's just that you have to determine, you know, is it worth having access to that? What are you going to do yeah. with that? Whether it's the advice you get from them and the actions you take or, you know, possible prospects or, or whatever else. Yeah. That was always a challenge for me is I love mastermind groups. I'm in a couple of them. Um, I find them valuable, but sometimes I can't act on the advice. So sometimes it's overload. Yeah. Um, same with sometimes reading books is that way with me too. Like, you know, um, and actually reinvesting in books is, is a super amazing 
life hack that a lot of people, you know, it's the cheapest way to do it. Actually, the cheapest investment you can do is to get a $10 a month audible subscription and le- listen to one business book a month. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's a challenge. I agree. Um, is, uh, is you have to be able to act on it. You have to be able to, to put this stuff into place. And that's actually a leverage point that I would, this will be my last point in this one is, um, I have friends who have worked themselves out of the business. Um, my friend Davis, for example, he, he basically completely worked himself out of the business, which is amazing. Like he didn't have a day-to-day role anymore. He was just the CEO president. Just owned and, it. Yeah. Yeah. And he had his, you know, he had everything going and he basically just kept on investing in, in leveraging, you know, in leverage. Um, he, he, he hired, you know, he joined a mastermind to, to learn how to do copy and then, and then hired the best copywriter in there. He does, you know, he'll go travel around to recruit people and he'll, he just basically uses the money in order to, to get going. And that's a great way to do things. Again, you can, you can spend your money. <laughs> you don't have to spend it on yourself, but you can spend it on doing things you wouldn't have done when you were bootstrapped and you were, when you were really struggling. Um, you can do that. You can spend that money because it does reduce your taxes and, and it is a way to reinvest in your business. So the people who usually, you know, it's compounding too. You can compound things by investing in yourself and in the business you have as well. So I would consider doing that as well, either books or, or directly getting trained by somebody who you admire. It's the whole who, not how concept, which, which is expensive. Who, not how is very expensive. And so you have to have some cash in your business in order to do that because you're basically hiring the person versus figuring out how to do it yourself. And you're cutting, you're cutting the line. You're getting like the all access pass wristband, right? To go right to the front of the line. Um, it's expensive to do that. Of course it is. It's a premium, but it's worth yep. it in many cases. Yep. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned about masterminds because I, I missed that, but you're totally right. I've, I've also hired other people that I've met in mastermind groups for their expertise. Yeah. You know, I've done the same thing that they're doing with me. So it all sort of goes around. Um, and again, it's, it really just comes down to um, having, having that conversation, I think, in your head uh, as we wrap up in the final thoughts here of not just blindly spending the money or reacting to the fact you have cash and I'm going to go do this thing. It's think it through just a little bit. Is this the best use of this dollar right now? Is there someplace else that it makes more sense to put it, even if that is in a savings account or something like that for some future spend? Um, I also think just as, as, a, as an aside is make sure you have a little bit of fun money uh, budget as well. I think that's yeah. something that helps you mentally take a break a little bit um, and gives you, if it's in your like fun money bucket or something that you create you know, a savings account that's just for that stuff, uh, whether that's personal or even for your business team, if you want to do that. Uh, but the idea is that now when you want to do the fun, crazy thing, that's the stuff you don't have to think about. How do I best leverage this? You know, like this is just for fun. Like this is yeah. what it was there for. It was there to be burned, right? That's why it's not a lot of money that goes in there for percentage, right? Uh, of, of profits going there. But, you know, hopefully there's a bunch of money in there because you're making so many profits. So, uh, but uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode. As always, if you've heard of something that you know has you think a little differently, it goes, wow, I didn't really think about that. Uh, share it. Talk to somebody else about it because that is what takes this from something where you've been exposed to new information and you're actually teaching it to somebody else, working it in your own brain, adding your own magic mix of thoughts into it, that makes it something in your head that is now yours. Uh, so we definitely encourage you to do that. And, and obviously, if it comes down to the fact that you happen to mention that you heard it on Business Unfiltered, we definitely appreciate that as well. So with that, thanks again for sharing and for listening to Business Unfiltered. We'll see you on the next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered. 
always unapologetically honest.